Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Yes, I will tell you why there's ketchup on the stage as we get going. I promise. Hi, thanks for being here. Glad y'all are here. If you're here for the first time, I'm so sorry that John's not here. Yes, I am. He's really fabulous. I always like to honor him. He really is. Oh, you're sweet. Thank you. He really is. Um, the person that you see here is is really just the person that he is. He's genuine and wonderful and a great guy, and I love him. And he and um, Hudson are in a Minnesota right now. It's freezing. They got to skate on a real pond yesterday. They were all stoked about that. So they are there for a hockey tournament. And I know McKenna already left, but we are super excited that today's her 21st birthday. We're excited and a little bit scared. But anyway, that is happening. So anyway, we are going to jump in. If you have your Bibles with you, I know we are going to um, have all this fun stuff that Mindy's put up there. I don't know how, how well if you're going to be able to see it. But we're going to jump back into Matthew 4. We started this series that we're in now. We were going to do a church-wide fast at the beginning of the year, like most churches do. And then, as you know, John came and said in Matthew 4, it talked about where after Jesus fasted, then he was tempted. And so we talked about the importance of diving into the word and having an understanding of our word before we fast, because then when the temptation comes, we have more of an understanding of our word. So we're actually going to go back there. We're going to go to Matthew 4. We're actually going to jump back to Matthew 3. Oh, wait, one more quick thing, just really quickly before I forget. These are out on the table. If you are a lady and you have not grabbed one of these, we would love to bless Casey next Sunday right after church with a baby shower at our house. So please grab one of these so that you'll have the details for that. We got to forgot to make that announcement. So, all right, we're going to have fun. Are you all all right? You're good? Okay, here we go. So we're going with this. When Jesus, we're looking at verse Chapter 3, verse 16, when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Father, we pray this morning Lord, we lift you up. We thank you for this opportunity that we get to dive into your word. Lord, I pray that you would um, open our ears to hear what you would say to us this morning, that as we find ourselves in the midst of storms, in places of wilderness, Father God, that we would understand the importance of the word, of how you minister to us through the word, of how we use the word as a weapon against the one who would come against us, Lord, and uh, how we can maybe see the storms a little differently in our lives. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would move every agenda that I have out of the way, and that, Lord, you would fill this place and that your anointing would fall in the name of Jesus. Amen. I think it's interesting here that in one breath, he's, you know, he's getting baptized and he hears, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then he, he's 
going to the wilderness, right? Luke actually says that immediately the Spirit drove him to the wilderness. It's so interesting to see that here's this great and wonderful thing that happens, and then immediately he's sent to a storm. And I think it's so interesting that some of the things that we go through and some of the things that we, um, that we find ourselves in, we experience this great blessing, and then right after the blessing comes this um, place of hardship. I'm a mess up here right now. What is happening? All kinds of things flowing. So here he goes. Um, I love that Jesus in this moment fought the accuser with the word. Many of you know this story already, and so for the sake of time, I won't go there. But as he said, um, you know, turn these stones into bread so that you can eat since I know you're hungry. He's like, you know, man shall live on the word of God and not just food alone. So every every accusation that came from the enemy, the Lord... Um, took and fought with the word. But I think it's so crazy, like I said, that the hardest hard that we sometimes experience is right after something really good. And so we wonder why that is. And uh, there is a guy named George Matheson. He was a Scottish minister and hymn writer from the 1800s. He was blind since the age of 20. And one of the things that he says is the change comes so soon after the blessing to show that it's the sequel to the blessing. We sometimes think that the hard is something that's been brought against us for bad. But what he's suggesting is that the hard we're going through is a sequel to the blessing that's already been given. Some of us have been in a sequel for so long that it's hard to remember that there ever was a blessing. And sometimes the sequel isn't quite as good as the original, but it's there to continue to build the story. So I think we have to change the way that we see some of the storms in our life and realize that it's God's doing. So see, look, we're already on point two. We're going to change the way we see the things that we're in and um, also understand that it's the Lord's doing. Deuteronomy 32, 13, which you can see up here, says, He nourished him with honey from the rock. Sometimes our very sustenance, the thing that we need to survive, the thing that God uses to grow us, comes from the storm. And we can wrestle with it right? Jacob did that with the angel. We can wrestle against the things that he's brought into our lives, or we can understand that it's the Lord's doing, that he is the author of the storm. It's interesting to see that he could go to the wilderness right after his baptism, and he could withstand the wilderness because he understood that it was the Father's doing, that it was something that the Father had sent him to, and he obeyed. We're going to look at 1 Kings 12, if you would, I think Mindy's putting it up there. This is First Kings 12, verse 20 through 24. It said, when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had come back, they summoned him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. No one followed the house of David except the tribe of Judah alone. And when Rehoboam arrived in Jerusalem, he mobilized 180,000 fit young soldiers from the entire house of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin to fight against the house of Israel, to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, son of Solomon. But the word of God came to Shemaiah. The word of God came to the man and said, say this to the son of Solomon king of Judah, to the whole house and to the rest of the people, this is what the Lord says. You are not to march up and fight against your brothers, the Israelites. Each of you return home, for this situation is from me. Do not fight, for this is my doing. This situation is from me. And so they listened to the word of the Lord, and they went back according to the word of the Lord. They were ready to fight, 
But then they heard what the Lord was saying about the situation that they were in. They listened and they went back to it. In John 13, 7, when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, he says to them, you do not realize now what I am doing, but soon you will understand. Psalm 104, 6 says, you covered the earth with the deep as with a garment. I love the, the word picture of that, that you know, he's talking about when he's creating the world and he's covering the earth with the deep as with a garment. And it's really what I feel like he wants to do with us. He wants to cover us with a deep and not just have a place of unknown battles and not knowing what we're going through, but a depth of revelation of who he is. But it's interesting that through we, the things that we experience in life, we have gaps in our hearts that sometimes don't allow us to see the things that he's doing. And we tend to look for things in our situations that speak to those gaps. Sometime, you know, probably around the ages of like 6 to 13, we begin to kind of um, experience defining moments that would cause us to look around and see what would earn other people's approval, right? And so somewhere along the way, maybe you heard somebody say, when you do this, we like you, right? Whether that's, you know, you're pretty, you're smart, you're talented, you're athletic, you're friendly, you're funny, you know, whatever those things are. And so over the years, we continue to search for that affirmation. And even though we know that ultimately to hear Jesus say, well done, we live our lives in such a way that we look for man's approval rather than for the authority of the Father. And the truth of God, the word of God, why it's so important to understand the word of God. It's, it's not pretty, and it's not always postable. I know I like to post lots of fun things on Instagram, but some of the things that he digs down deep and does, they aren't always pretty, but they are dependable. It is something that we can trust in, and it's something that we not only learn and glean from, but we all also begin to delight in. And um, Psalm 119, you know, is one of the really long ones. And there's a couple verses in there. Psalm 119, 71 says, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I could learn from your statutes. It was good for me to be afflicted. Psalm 119, 92 says, If your instruction hadn't been my delight, I would have died in my affliction. If I hadn't enjoyed and delighted your precepts, your statutes, your word, I would have died in the moment that you placed me in that afflicted me. One of the commentaries that I looked at said, die not so much a physical death as much as having despair despair in those moments. If, um, if we think about like, if we think about the garden and if we go back and we think about if we didn't live in a fallen world, right, if we'd never sinned in that way, then maybe God would use joy a little bit more to kind of, you know, get stuff out of us and reveal who he is to us because he does use that. Sometimes he uses joy. But I think because we sin, because we fell in the garden, then God uses that sorrow to kind of get out of us and reveal things in us and reveal who he is to us. But it's a sorrow without despair. Dr. John Douglas Adam said, unwavering awareness of the actual presence of Jesus, independent of my own feelings, independent of my own perceptions, my own shortcomings, my own worthiness, is what enables me to stand in the sorrow. 
there is an understanding of his very presence there with us. Because as we know, John Word says that the word became flesh, right? Jesus is the word. So he not only brings peace, he not only um, brings the calm that we need in those moments, but he is that. And so he is the one that we are pursuing and he is the one that we want in the storm with us. And he is why we can stand without the despair, So at some point, that starts to hit home, and then we start fretting about the storm, about the situation that we find ourselves in, and we stop letting the storm affect us, and we start to affect the storm. We go from, I know sometimes a lot of times in the last season that we've been in, I have felt almost like being held hostage to the situation, almost like I'm playing zone defense, like where's, I'm fielding the situation, where's the next attack gonna come from? And instead of playing on the offense, I'm playing on the defense, and I'm waiting for that next thing to happen. And so I think as we go through these things and as we begin to have a revelation of what the Lord is speaking to us, then we begin to understand that the storm, I've said this many times before, I'll say it again, the storm is not there to kill us, but to grow us. And in that understanding, then we can embrace it. And so there's a couple things that happen through that. And one of them is that we actually start to believe what this word says about us. We actually start to believe. Um, well, we actually start to believe what it says. What it says to us. Deuteronomy two thirty one says, "I have begun to deliver. Now to begin to conquer and possess." If we are still in a place where where we're um, unsure of what's happening and we're being affected by what's happening instead of us affecting what's happening, then when God says, I've already begun to deliver, now you begin to conquer and possess, we go, I don't know. I don't know yet if I'm ready to do that. I can't really trust that you're delivering. Maybe can trust that you're delivering, but I don't know that I'm ready to go out and conquer it myself. And so we, we kind of start to believe what the word says, but then we actually reach a point, hopefully, where we start to believe what the word says about us and how it affects us. So, you know, I know I was gone last week, but I had asked Joe to, to do that song, um, I Am Who You Say I Am. Are you guys here for that song that he did last week? It's, I'm sure it was amazing. I can't believe I missed it. And I was going to try and sing it for you, but I got a cold right now. And so I had this whole, like, T-Boz, like, going thing. It was it's be really frightful, and I don't sing anyway. So, Joe, would you sing, like, just that one, like, just, like, the first verse and then the little chorus? Would you sing that for us? <laughs> this, the, um, I'm chosen, not forsaken, I am who you say I am. I, and then the next part. Do you remember Right. I, I feel like, yay, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, uh, I feel like so many times we find ourselves in, in church, lots of Christians, lots of believers find themselves in churches, um, you know, standing in the rows, raising their hands maybe, singing that song, I am who you say I am. But then we walk out these doors and we kind of go, I don't know, I mean, am I really that? Can I really believe that? And, and at, one, at some point, you know, I think for a lot of us, fear is one of the things that kind of keeps us from stepping into that. But at some point, it really does become a disobedience issue. If God is saying, I am for you, not against you. I have chosen you, not forsaken you. If, if, uh, if God threw somebody, whoever wrote that amazing word, if, um, if he say, in my father's house, there is a place for me. There is a place for you. 
You are who he says you are, and you can do what he says you can do in the storm. And so it begins to change our perspective of how we see where we are, and it also gives us clarity of how the enemy plays a role in the storm. Because the enemy is crafty, but he's not creative, right? He's crafty, but he's not creative. I'll tell you just a a little story that John probably wouldn't want me to tell you. Don't tell him. But um, yesterday, y'all, I was just in a dead panic. I just was. I it was it's McKenna's birthday, and so I had gone to the bank, and I was going to get out some cash to put in her birthday card. And when I went up to the teller, literally, it was negative twelve hundred dollars, and I was like oh my gosh, oh my gosh, wait, what, wait, what? And so when I got, we finally got to the bottom of it, and I, and I called John, I'm like, wait, what happened to that? And he's like, okay, I made tons of, de- I made deposits, but he put, we have multiple accounts, because we also we have a couple other, we have the business account, personal account, and then there was another account. And, he, and he's like, oh, I put this money here. But you should have seen the teller's face, because John wasn't there with me, and so it was just me at the window trying to figure all this out, and he goes, so all I can tell you is there's another account with somebody else's name on it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I am about to go off. I, I could not dial the phone fast. And I was like, I'm sorry. Do you have another account with someone else's name on it? And what's her name? <laughs> and he was like, relax, big girl, relax. He was like. Um, you want to ask the teller if her name is Tennyson, your son's name? And so I go, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. So I look at her and I go, is it Tennyson? And he's all, yeah. Is that a boy or girl? And I'm like, that's a boy. It's a boy. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm telling you what, I had a moment. I had a moment where I was like, hold up. There's another account. But very quickly after that, because I've seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and because I have a history of his faithfulness in my life, I said, oh, no, 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 no. Let's get to the bottom of this. Because like I said, the enemy is crafty, but he's not creative. So if he can't get to your marriage, he will come after your children. And if he can't get to your family, he will come after your finances. He'll come after your position. He'll come after your calling. He'll come after those things. But if you look closely and you begin to affect the storm and you begin to have eyes to see, you'll identify certain patterns. You'll recognize the cycles, and you'll see the blows before they come, because he almost always starts with fear. And I think it's interesting, 2 Timothy 1.7, we know the verse, you know, but God did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and sound mind. Um, my friend Carrie, who pastors at a church in Laguna Hills called The Movement, he said, isn't it interesting, 2 Timothy 1.7 is God reminding us that he did not give us a spirit of fear. It's interesting that he didn't have to remind us that lust didn't come from him or murder didn't come from him, but somehow he knew that fear would be something that we react to. But because we begin to understand the word, then we know how to immediately apply the word to that. Sometimes fear turns into looking like doubt and confusion. I don't know. I seem so confused right now. I'm doubting this situation. But then we look to 1 Corinthians 14.33 that says God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And so we speak that into that. And by doing so, over time, we begin to have that trust relationship 
I think so many times we spend so much time running away from the tempest, running away from the place that he has us when we should turn and stand and face the ferocity of the fight. That's kind of where that picture came from um, of the woman standing in the storm. If you look at it, her, her hands are open and her hair is blowing like crazy and she's standing and she's not running away from the storm, but she's facing the ferocity of the fight which is kind of, um, I mean, if you think of it, it it's funny, I'll, I'll go back to that. We think that I trust you, right, when we say, okay, I'm in this place, I'm going to trust you, but we think, it's almost like we're taunting Jesus with it. I'm going to trust you, but we think I trust you looks like, okay, I need the storm to be over. I need the pain to stop. But Jesus fully felt the pain, right? He fully turned and felt the pain of our sin come full on at him, and then what he did was he turned and didn't run away, but he faced the cross. And then he laid down all of that at the cross. And in doing so, showed us what to do with our pain and what to do with the things that we carry. Because Psalm 44 says, in order to plant, you displace. In order to settle, you bring disaster. Displacement, disaster, those sound painful, but the second half of Psalm 44 is so exciting because he goes down and he said, you did these things for us, you fought for us, but it wasn't by our bow and it wasn't by our sword, but it was by your name. In your name, these things happened and you did these things for us. So sometimes you just kind of have to sit with the hard, and it's not very fun. And I told Mindy that I was going to work this into the message somehow, and so I did. So two weeks ago, you might wonder what the ketchup's doing up here. This is now the new mascot of Pacific Point Church, and let me tell you why. We were talking about how hard, you know, how sometimes it can be hard to live with people who aren't like you, people you may disagree with, and this wonderful um, quote that you, um, just because you can't give your approval doesn't mean you withdraw your love, which I love that so much. But Mindy, all of a sudden in the room, full of people trying to like, you know, hash this out, and she goes, I don't know, sometimes you just got to be with the ketchup. And we're like, uh, wait, what? And she's like, you know, there's like one on every table. Just about every table you go into, there's a ketchup there. You don't have to use it. Just be with the ketchup. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's brilliant. We are going to make up T-shirts that say just be with the ketchup. That's right. Whatever place that God has us in, we are going to sit in that storm. We are going to be with the ketchup. And instead of going from crisis to crisis, constantly look like the word, I need the word that I need for this minute, it is going to become a lifestyle for us, something that we automatically wake up and we do. We sit with the ketchup because freak right that is gonna be our t-shirt that's our next t-shirt forget that we got the blues stuff we're going with be with the ketchup much different um, with frequency and intimacy lead to a trust relationship and is much different to reach out from a place of relationship than it is to reach out from desperation or duty and we're almost done I promise Psalm 112 7 if you hear nothing else hear this he will have no fear of bad news his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Um, in the, the last season that we've been in, I, one of my triggers is um, actually phone calls. Every time, almost every time my phone rings, I almost hold my breath to find out what the bad news is. Every time I hear an ambulance siren, every, there's, there's a whole list of certain things that for one reason or another have triggered my heart to go, what's going to happen next? And I love this verse so much. He will have no fear of bad news. 
God is in control. My heart is steadfast. There is a resolve there to trust him in the situation. He has not forgotten you. The Bible says that he daily delivers us. He has determined the time of your deliverance, but some of us wrestle with haste a little bit, right? You know, that whole idea of wanting to rush forward, of wanting to hurry out of this situation. Isaiah 28, 16 says, Therefore the Lord God said, Look, I have a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, and the one who believes shall not make haste. I wonder sometimes if kind of some of the source of our trouble is that we are trying to hurry and run out of a situation and there's pushback there because he's not quite done yet. He has more that he wants to do. I believe that he wants to almost lay something on top of us, lay something on top of us. We talked about this um, Wednesday morning prayer a while back um, in Hosea 14.5. It says, I will be like the dew to Israel. And you know how, like, when you wake up in the morning and there's just that slight mist that lays on the ground. And so I believe he wants to lay something on us. And it is a mantle of leadership. It is a mantle on us that says, hey, I've been through something, but I'm still here. And I still love Jesus, right? That's what we're going to do. We're going to be a people that still love Jesus, that still spreads the gospel, that still beats the king, builds the kingdom, that still has hope there, that's not jaded, that there's no smell of smoke upon us. And so there's a do that he wants to do. And it's, symbol, it's not a heaviness because it symbolize, um, symbolizes refreshment and renewal. Titus 3.5 talks about the Holy Spirit and how he renews us when we sit quietly and when we linger in his presence. And so we may not understand exactly what he's doing in it, but, some, but we understand that something is happening. Another thing that we see, you're missing out on our life groups. We talk about such fun things on our life groups on Wednesday nights. But another thing that we talked about on Wednesday night was um, there's a book that we did several years ago about Psalm 23. It's by Philip Keller, and it, uh, it talks about a shepherd's look at Psalm 23. And, you know, the well-known fact that sheep are very stupid and those sheep are always, like, running into things and banging their heads on things. And so they would have these huge bloody gashes in their heads. And so what the shepherd would do is he would come along and he would take the salve and he would rub it on the place of their heads. And then over weeks' time, they would start to feel better. And the blood and the gush and all the openness and the woundedness that was there would begin to heal over time. And the crazy thing about it was, and one of the things that the way he said it in the book, was that the sheep don't know what's happening. They don't know how they go from one state to another state. They just know that something happens when they bow their head in the presence of the shepherd. And so that's where we are. We're getting to a place where we bow our heads in the presence of the shepherd and understanding that he goes before us. And I love this part. Second Chronicles 14 talks about King Asa trusting the Lord, going before into a battle that was too big for him. And at the end of it, it says, the Lord routed the Cushites, and so the people of Judah carried off a great supply of loot. I love that so much. When you, when you come to a place where you're bowing your head and you're trusting, you are not giving up. You are in a place where you actually get to pick up the plunder and the spoils along the way. How great is that, that God fights on our behalf, but that he allows us to come and pick up the plunder along the way. We simply have to believe that he is between you and your difficulty. That's a quote that F.B. Meyer said, that he's between you and your difficulty. When nothing on which to lean remains, 
when strongholds crumble to dust, when nothing is sure but God still reigns, this is just the time to trust. And why? Why do we do all these things? Why do we have to understand the importance of the word, how to apply it to the seasons that we're in, how to allow him to fight before us? Because, like I said, there is a mantle assigned to your name. These are some of the things that I really felt like that the Lord showed me over this um, this last little bit. And so I really hope that you'll hear these next words, and then we'll be done. We'll be through. Um, there's a mantle assigned to your name. Your life is not an accident or a coincidence. There is a purpose for you that only you can fulfill. And I know if we sit in church long enough, we hear that message long enough. But we need to understand that there is stronghold after stronghold that will come your way to make sure that your ears get dull to that message. Because hell knows that if the gift inside of you is unleashed, that life will be different. And I wish all of our friends who um, are in the recovery community that God has brought to this place, which I think is such a special thing that he's doing here, I wish they were here this morning because I want them and us to understand that hell knows it, that depression knows it, that anxiety knows it, that apathy knows it, that cocaine knows it, that heroin knows it, alcohol knows it, that sex knows it, that all of those things know the potential that, is, that exists on the inside of us. But I wonder if we know it. I wonder if we can trust what God is doing in us and that this will be the year that whatever you had to go through, you will see why it had to be you, why you are still here. When others have left, when others have kind of snuck off because they've given up hope and you're still here, that you would understand that this is why you didn't quit. And instead of trying to wrestle with the questions of how did I get here or why did this happen, that you would begin to embrace the betrayal, that you would glean from the grief, and that you would submit to the unfolding, knowing that it's not just about you, but it is about everybody that's connected to you. It's about everybody who watches you, watching which way you're going to lean, to see if you will get counseling, to see if you will get ready, to see if you will get whatever you need to get in position to receive and to walk in the thing that he's doing. We have um, a dear friend of ours, and uh, he walks in a prophetic gift, and he had called us kind of the end of last year, beginning of this year, and he had said, I feel like I have a word for you. I feel like the Lord is speaking to you. Closure in one area and jubilee quickly after. And I don't know if you understand what jubilee is, but jubilee is a time in Jewish history where there's an emancipation there's a freedom, there's a, a restoration that happens after you've been through a season of difficulty. And so Leviticus 25.10 says, and you shall consecrate the 50th year. Hello, who's going to be 50 this year? <laughs> you shall consecrate the 50th year. You shall proclaim release throughout the land, freedom for all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you shall return to his property, and each of you shall return to his family. What death tried to define, the word brings back to life. And there were lots of other things that I wanted to read, but I do just really quickly. I skipped over um, for the sake of time. Uh -huh, just notes everywhere. But I do really want to read this to you because I read this, 
And I'm telling you, I was like joyful shouting all up in my place. Because I'm going to tell you, this is what I did. Do you know where I went to do this, to work on all of this? I went to the room in our house that served as the epicenter of the battle that we walked through. Went right to the eye of the storm and stood in that place and said, what used to be dark and what used to be hard and what used to be heavy, mm -mm, we're not doing that. And so this is why I love so much. Zion's restoration, Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter then and our tongues with shouts of joy. And then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we were joyful. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like water courses in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. I love this. Though one goes along weeping, carrying the bag of seed, he will surely come back with shouts of joy, carrying his sheaves. You have been in a season maybe, maybe, you know, whatever it is, where all you've had to sow in the ground were seeds of tears, seeds of the sorrow and the storm that you were in. But I promise you by the word of God that you will come back with sheaves of life. I love that so much. The word is alive. We say this all the time. Hebrews 4.12, the word is alive. It's active. It points. It penetrates. It separates. It heals. It restores. It brings hope and resolve. Colossians 3 says that we are to let the word of God dwell in us richly and that we are to encourage one another, admonish and teaching one another from the word, that we are to sing spiritual songs and hymns and sing psalms, Father God, through him about him, for him, giving him praise and glory no matter where we find ourselves. And so what the word does is it gives us a way to lift our voice in the storm. Oh, let us rejoice in the Lord evermore when darts of the tempter are flying, for Satan still dreads as he did once before our singing much more than our crying. There's, uh, we're going to transition into a time where we take communion and... Um, you know, it's, it's, I think about um, how many times we as a family over this last season um, would go to communion and Jack wasn't with us, right? Jack wasn't with us. And maybe you watched lots of times where you would see us go to communion and how many times we would pray as a family with, for Jack to see us be in a season now where Jack is here and Jack walks with us as a family over to take communion is huge for us. And that's not to put any undue pressure on anybody in any situation. It's to say that like the Israelites, as they passed through the water, stopped long enough to rejoice and thank God for what he's doing, that we have moments of reprieve along the way where God gives us glimpses of what he can do and what, he, what it can look like when he's done it and that we can rejoice along the way and that we can lift our voice and we can sing. And uh, before I pray, there is, um, there's just the last thing I'll say in Luke 24. Uh, John mentioned it a couple weeks ago, actually, on the road to Emmaus and about the, the two disciples after Jesus was resurrected and how he walked with them and spoke with them. And they didn't realize who he was, right, until they got back to their house and they invited him in for dinner. And it said, when he broke bread, 
then they realized who he was. So as we begin to come up for communion, I'm going to do it now, yeah. Um, One of the things that we're going to play, I know the band is going to play afterwards, but one of the things I'm going to ask them to wait is um, during communion, I... I want you to hear the word. I want you to see the words, but I also want you to come to a place where you can have that moment with the Lord. So the words are going to play to this song called Rescue that I think is beautiful and I think speaks to some of the places where some of us might be. So I want you to see the words, but then in your timing, like we always do when you feel ready to come up, break bread and ask him to reveal himself. Ask him that you would recognize very specifically to your situation what he's doing and what he wants to show you in it. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, that you are our rescue, Father God, and that you would put us in a place, Lord, where we can begin to see the storms in our lives and the wilderness places and the the dry places, Father God, the way that you've called us to see them, Lord, and that we would trust that you are who you say you are, Father God. I pray that as we come up, Lord, and as we break bread and drink the cup before you, Lord, thank you that you made a way for us to get back into right relationship with you, Lord. We thank you that you made a way to align our hearts back to the cross. So, Lord, put us in a place where we can do that now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.